पिवाय भागवतम कैन टू सेवन चैप्टर टेन टेक्स नाइन विमुंचती यदा कामान मानवो मनसी स्थितान मनसी स्थितान तर्व पुंडरी काक्ष भगवत्वाय कल्पते विमुंचती यदी कामान मानवो मनसी स्थितांडरी काक्ष काक्ष भगवत्वाय कल्पते विमुंचती यदी कामुंचती यदी काम मानवो मनसी स्थितानवो मनसी स्थितान तर्व पुंडरी काक्ष पुंडरी काक्ष भगवत्वाय कल्पते भगवत्वाय कल्पते मुंचती यदि कामान मानवो मनसी स्थितान तर्व पुंडरी काक्ष भगवत्वाय कल्पते विमुंचती यदा कामो मनसी स्थितान तर्व पुंडरी काक्ष भगवत्वाय कल्पते मानवो मनसी स्थितांडरी काक्ष भगवत्वाय कल्पते मानवो मनसी स्थितान पुंडरी काक्ष भगवत्वाय कल्पते विमुंचती यदा कामान मानवो मनसी स्थितान तर्व पुंडरी काक्ष भगवत्वाय कल्पते विमुंचती यदा कामान मानवो मनसी स्थितान तर्व पुंडरी काक्ष भगवत्वाय कल्पते मुंचती यदा कामान मनसी स्थितांडरी काक्ष भगवत्ताय कल्पते 
Vimunchati gives up. Yada whenever. Kaman all material desires. Manavaha human society. Manasi within the mind. Sthitan situated. Tarhi at that time only. Eva indeed. Pundari Kaksha O Lotus Eyed Lord Bhagavatvaya to be equally as opulent as the Lord. Kalpate becomes eligible. Translation and purport by His Divine Grace A.C. Bhaktivedanta Swami Shla Prabhupada Translation Oh my Lord, when a human being is able to give up all the material desires in his mind, he becomes eligible to possess wealth and opulence like yours. Purport Atheistic men sometimes criticize a devotee by saying, if you do not want to take any benediction from the Lord and if the servant of the Lord is as opulent as the Lord himself, why do you ask for the benediction of being engaged as the Lord's servant? Shridhar Swami comments, Bhagwatvaya Bhagwat Saman Aishwaryaya Bhagwatva, becoming as good as the Supreme Personality of Godhead, does not mean becoming one with him or equal to him. Although in the spiritual world a servant is equally as opulent as the master. The servant of the Lord is engaged in the service of the Lord as a servant, friend, father, mother or conjugal lover, all of whom are equally as opulent as the Lord. This is achintya bheda tattva. The master and servant are dif different yet equal in opulence. This is the meaning of simultaneous difference from the Lord and oneness with him. Om Ajnanatimirandhasya Jnananjanishalakaya Chakshurun Militam Yena Tasmai Shri Gurave Namaha Nama Om Vishnupadaya Krishna Prishtaya Bhutale Shrimate Bhakti Vedanta Swami Itinamine Namaste Saraswati Deve Gauravani Pracharine Nirvishesha Shunyavadi Pashyatya Deshatarine Vancha Kalpataru Bhyascha Kripasindhu Bhyayevacha Patitanam Pavanebhyo Vaishnavebhyo Namo Namaha Jai Shri Krishna Chaitanya Prabhu Nityananda Shri Advaita Gadadhara Srivasadi Gaura Bhakta Vrinda Hare Krishna Hare Krishna 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 Hare 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 Rama Hare Rama 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 Hare 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 Krishna so today is one of the paradoxical themes in the Srimad Bhagavatam that is the relationship between 
devotion and opulence that how exactly does bhakti especially para bhakti relate with opulence now opulence can refer to material opulence it can refer to spiritual opulence but in this context it just refers to opulence so the relationship of devotion with opulence this is one of the concluding prayers that prahlad is offering in his second series of prayers to lord narsimhadev and he is saying in the previous verse that kama that selfish desire can be highly destructive it can destroy everything for a person and in this verse he is saying on the other hand if one can give up kama vimunchati yada kama then one can gain everything so what is that everything bhagavatvaya kalpate so the idea here is kama kama when we either we can give into it or we can give it up hmm? so it can take away everything from us so the previous verse talked about how our a person's intelligence a person's character a person's mind everything can be stolen that's why krishna says in the bhagavad gita mahashano mahapapma it can be all devouring but here he is giving something else he says it can give us everything everything means bhagavatvaya that it can give us opulence like the lord or nature of the lord and so we'll try to look at this paradox how does by giving up desire a devotee get everything and does a devotee even want everything that's the question so bhagavatvaya bhagavatva what exactly is that we'll try to understand that and shri prabhupad makes a very interesting uh, argument over here sometimes prabhupad takes the devil's advocate and then he refutes that devil's advocate is you take the opposite party uh, so and you present their argument so in the vedic tradition so there is no devil in the vedic tradition but what we call is as the purva paksha you take the argument of the purva paksha and then present it and then you ref- then we refute it so the argument of the purva paksha is that devotion is basically a sneaky way to prosperity and power what is that sneaky way means is as as a devotee i don't want anything i just want to be the servant of the lord but then you say the servant of the lord gets everything <laughs> therefore you actually want everything hmm so the saying that i don't want anything is just a facade so it's a sneaky way to get prosperity mm-hmm. like i don't want any respect but i want to make sure everybody offers obeisances to me <laughs> so we may say no those obeisances are not for my sake that's for it's like i have no problem if you don't respect me it doesn't matter but it's not good for you if you doesn't respect me <laughs> <laughs> so <laughs> so now 
what exactly is the relationship is this like a backhanded way of seeking the same things that we normally seek prabhupada says not exactly prabhupada gives two interesting points i to read the read the purport several times to actually understand what prabhupada is saying prabhupada quotes shridhar swami over there and then he says that a devotee's desire is primarily to serve the lord now in the service of the lord sometimes the lord may reward a devotee with lot of opulence and sometimes the okay, the lord may not give any opulence so a devotee's interest is primarily in service of the lord now the service can be with opulence or it can be without opulence a devotee is not really that concerned about it that means a devotee understands that in the lord's plan everyone has a place now some people may have a bigger role some people may have a smaller role that is the lord's desire thank you i'll accept this as a lord's desire <laughs> okay <laughs> so once shila prabhupad was asked by one of his disciples you know sometimes when devotees glorify the glorification of one person is sometimes a minimization of the other person it doesn't have to be like that so once i devotee told prabhupad that on a, during a morning walk prabhupad that bhaktivinoda thakur preached in bengal bhaktivinoda thakur preached all over india you preached all over the world therefore you are greater than all of them and prabhupad said never became very grave prabhupad said never think like that prabhupad said whatever i have achieved is by their mercy and prabhupad quoted the common bengali saying it's not just a bengali saying it is a universal saying that a parent is pleased when a child does better than them in the in the broad indian tradition he says that the greatest tribute the greatest offering that a disciple can offer to a guru is to actually become greater than the guru now the disciple never think that i am greater than the guru but if the disciple can do more service than the guru and the guru is pleased by that now of course the veshla prabhupada has done service nobody else can do more than that at spreading krishna consciousness over the world all over the world that's he has already done that we can just spread it a little further here and there but the point is that a na a, a devotee's desire is simply to serve now when the service is happening like a faithful disciple always feels grateful and dependent on the spiritual master but if krishna wants krishna can engage one particular acharya to do a particular amount of service so if we consider that same reasoning that bhaktivinoda thakur preached all over bengal and bhaktivinoda thakur preached all over india but we could say that in between was gorgeshwar baba ji no he didn't even preach all over mayapur you could say he was known but not very well known 
So what happened over there? Well, it's not that simple. In the world, when opulence manifests, it can manifest because of various reasons. And when, so Achintya, Prabhupada quotes Achintya Bhedabhedan is purported over here. So what is Achintya Bhedabhed in this context? That basically Krishna and material opulence. Hmm? What is their relationship? So even the relationship of Krishna and material opulence is a relationship of Bhed-Abhed. And the Bhed-Abhed is Achintya. What this means is that on one side, if we look at Srila Prabhupada's statements only, Prabhupada said that if you sell real jewels, hmm, there will always be few buyers. Hmm. If you sell fake jewelry, many people can pay that much money, they will come. But if you are giving the real thing, it requires a real price. And that's why Prabhupada sometimes said that that's why if somebody is not giving real authentic spirituality, thousands and millions of people may come. But on the other hand, if we are giving real stuff, stuff, not so many people will come. But that doesn't matter. In fact, Prabhupada would say in one sense, the, that less people are coming is because what we are offering is pure. But then, there are other times when Prabhupada also said that a Vaishnava is known by how many Vaishnavas a person makes. And Prabhupada would quote sometimes that, I have inherited the legacy of my spiritual master. Especially when Srila Prabhupada was in Mayapur. And once he came to Mayapur and he went straight to the or Mayapur Chandrudaya Mandir. And then some of his god brothers, they apparently criticized. He says, Swami, Mayapur means yoga pit. You should go to the place where Mahaprabhu was born. Why did uh, Swami Maharaj not visit? this place. Now for them, they refer to Prabhupada Swami Maharaj. For them Prabhupada is Bhakti, is Bhakti Sanskrit Thakur. So Prabhupada said that more important than where Chaitanya Mahaprabhu appeared is why Chaitanya Mahaprabhu appeared. And Chaitanya Mahaprabhu appeared so that the glories of Mayapur, the glories of the holy name, the glories of Krishna can be spread all over the world. Prithvite Achyata Nagaradi Gram Sarvatra Prachar Hoi Bemurana so Prabhupada said that they're questioning my faithfulness to my Guru Maharaj. But you know, who has opened more temples than me? Who has made more devotees than me? Who has written more books than me? Now Prabhupada was not expressing ego over here. Prabhupada was remarkably humble. We'll come to that. But the point is, here I'm saying Prabhupada would quote that, that the figures, they speak about the potency. So on one side, Prabhupada would say that the numbers, less numbers indicate that we are offering a pure stuff. But on the other side, he would say that, then that, what is the proof that somebody is empowered? That they are able to inspire many people to become devotees. So which is it then? Now we could say many people coming is a sign of opulence. Many people coming, many temples being built. That's a sign of opulence. 
So, this paradox runs through that is material opulence a sign of devotion? Now, normally if you're saying it's, it's opulence, it's not material opulence. If somebody has built a, maybe a hundred million dollar temple, well, is it material opulence or spiritual opulence? It's spiritual opulence because it's being used to glorify Krishna. But still, you cannot say it's not material opulence in the sense that it is materially also valuable. So this is the key question over here. When Prahalad is saying that, my dear Lord, if somebody gives up desire, Bhagavatvaya Kalpate, that person will attain opulence like yours. So we will look at it from two distinct perspectives and then we'll try to find a balance. So Achinte Prabhupada says Achinte Bheda Bheda. So let's start with the Bhed part. So what we are discussing here is that the relationship between material opulence and devotion. So if we consider the Bhed aspect, where it is clearly different. And then we will look at the consider pendulum, the Abhed aspect. And then we will try to see what does it mean in our life. Mm. How much should we pursue opulence? How much should we see opulence as the sign that our devotion is being successful? That the devotion is being reciprocated by the Lord? So, let's begin with the Bhed part. Mm. There is a clear differentiation been, yeah, maybe all of you can come a little ahead because please. There is a clear differentiation between Karmakanda versus Bhakti. Karmakanda is basically approaching God for material things. Dharma, Artha, Kama and Moksha. So most people they seek moksha from the idea of moksha. <laughs> Just get caught in dharma, artha and kama. So the idea that we approach Krishna for material prosperity. That is definitely out. In that sense, Krishna, what to speak of bhakti yoga? Krishna differentiates even between karma yoga and karma kant. In the second chapter of the Bhagavad Gita itself, if you consider when Krishna is talking about Neha, Bikramana, Shosti, Vyavasaya, Atmika, Buddhi, that whole section is talking about the difference between Karma Kanda and Karma Yoga. So if you consider the second chapter, now Krishna talks about 30, 31 to 37, he talks about Karma Kanda, and this is where Krishna says that Hatova Prapsi Svargam Jitvava Bhokshu Mahim. If you die, you will attain heaven. If you win, you will get the earth. So, and therefore, Therefore, arise and fight. But immediately after that, Krishna says, No, this is not the level I recommend. Therefore, So, in fact, 38 to 46 is actually... The whole analysis, Karma Yoga is greater than Karma Yoga, Kar Karma Kanda. And then 47 to 53, Krishna is talking about how, what is Karma Yoga? That's where Karma Nivadi Karasti and all those verses come up. 
but even karma yoga is differentiated from karma kanda then what to speak of bhakti yoga bhakti yoga is much higher so the idea that we approach lord the lord for fulfilling material desires and then we see the fulfillment of material desires as the proof of our devotion that is out mm. so that means if we consider this as krishna so on one side say we are we are here we approach for material desires and then we get material opulence now at one level even this is good because yena kena prakarana mana krishna nivesh somehow the other person fixing the mind on krishna is good but categorically when somebody is doing like this then this is more this is more like karma kanda than bhakti although karma kanda we'll see how it can also be a path to bhakti yoga but this is karma kanda in in the christian tradition there is something similar which is called as the prosperity theology or the prosperity gospel the prosperity gospel is the idea that we worship god and then when we get prosperity that is the proof of our devotion in fact uh, now catholicism doesn't accept this prosperity gospel and even among protestants not everybody as, as accepts this but this is the idea that in the christian tradition giving charity to god is called tithing you give some 10% of your salary or whatever and their idea is that if you give to god it is like investing a seed and give god will give much much more in return to you and there are these mega churches where these pastors there are several mega churches like some in australia many in america and these pastors they not only live in mansions they fly in private jets and they say this private jet enables me to do more service <laughs> i can go faster i can give more sermons i can do this i can do that and they live in their opulence is like the opulence of billionaires and they are not even trying to hide it in fact say all this has resulted from my service to christ but it's not resulted from service to christ it has resulted from the donations that people have given and people have given because they are misled into this idea that if you give you will get 100 times more in return now what happens is the pastors get 100 times more in return the parishioners don't <laughs> but this is even according to christianity this i mean stream christianity this is considered a deviation the prosperity gospel is what actually motivated europeans to colonize the world they thought that we have advanced in science and technology we have material power and this is the proof that god is pleased with us and we go to india we go to africa we go to america we come to australia all these places people are so uncivilized over here and that they are so uncivilized and primitive that they don't have technology that they don't have the assets that we have that is the proof that god is not pleased with them that is the proof that god is displeased with them and therefore they considered it their religious duty 
to civilize what they call as the heathens. So the prosperity gospel was what led to colonization. But in colonization, they didn't really enrich those countries. They enriched themselves at the cost of those countries. Isn't it? There's one African leader, he said that before the Christians came to Africa, we had the land and they had the Bibles. After they came, we had the Bibles and they had the land. <laughs> so, basically, now this is not again a criticism of Christianity. This is a particular criticism of a particular mentality. And this mentality can be there in any religion. This is of course there in Islam also. Where Islam, if you consider the history of Islam, after Islam started, uh, it has, from a military perspective, one of the uh, most impressive records of expansion through military aggression. Islam emerged in the 7th century, and within a few centuries, in less than a millennia, it is ruling major parts of the world. And they considered their success in military affairs in military warfare as a proof that Allah was pleased with them. And in fact, they had the justification also. Because it's for Allah, we can use any kind of unethical means also. It doesn't matter. Because, so, uh, because ultimately it's for the sake of God according to them. So the point is, this idea that th three things over here. We go to God only for material things. We gain material things by any means. And then we portray those material things as the proof of our devotion. That is completely off. Mm -hmm. So especially when one starts seeing, seeking material gain by questionable means and then trumpets them as, okay, I am such a great devotee. So there is a clear bhed within that. In fact, Krishna uses the word durenaya avaram karma. Avaram karma is very strong that, he says, inauspicious work. Now, having explored this point, that with, when, there is, when is there a bhed? I said, that is itself the sole motive. Then, there are any means adopted. And then, there is it is seen as the primary proof. Hmm. This is the only reason why we are approaching God. And then we are not just waiting for God to bless us with opulence. Because we think opulence is what is the what is meant to be God. So by any means we get it. We accept that. And then after that, what happens is we trumpet that as proof. This is the proof of my devotion. This is completely off. This is not devotion. And this is, you know, we shouldn't be just criticizing other religions. Within our movement also, there was a phase when we went through this. That where in book distribution, we started thinking that uh, this, any means we distribute books. You know, we can lie, we can cheat people, we can misrepresent the books. If we're just giving people the books. That's all that we mean to do. Well, not necessarily. And the point is not just to give people a book. The point is to inspire them to connect with Krishna. But if we are misleading people while distributing books to them. And then after that, 
they may get the book but if they feel misled they will become anti krishna and that is a disservice so th- with respect to this idea that there is a clear categorization between material opulence and devotion so if somebody has lost their ethical ethical mooring ethical sense if somebody is infatuated only with material things then that is an indication that their that their pursuit of material things even if it is in the service of the lord is actually taking them away from the lord somebody may decide that i want to do fundraising for a temple yeah that's great if we want to do fundraising for a temple but if during our chanting the only we are not thinking about the holy name we are thinking about funds 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 i said it's for krishna well yes everything is for krishna but there is everything is for krishna but your heart is not for krishna the heart is getting caught somewhere else now of course sometimes thoughts of our service may come it's natural but if that is all that we are thinking then it is a problem so even our service i'll talk about this a little bit more about what happens is ultimately krishna doesn't want the things of the world krishna wants our heart and as a part of offering our heart we want to offer things of this world but what is sometimes in offering the things of the world sometimes in trying to do a particular service you know we start becoming judgmental about other devotees we start criticizing others and we may offer that thing to krishna but our heart is not there at all our heart is filled with anger and resentment and it's it's not at all a pleasant offering for krishna it's like you know we go to somebody's house for prasad and they are, they they may wanted to cook a big feast but in cooking the big feast you know, they had a big quarrel with everyone this is not right that is not right that is not right and when they come to serve the food you know they are looking so sullen and angry and upset and uh, they're not just angry with all the people who didn't help them they're angry with everyone then we may think what am i doing also over here you know krishna says to duryodhan when duryodhan invites him to stay in his palace is one person eats at another person's house for two reasons one is either because there is affection between the two of them or because that person is hungry and krishna says i am not hungry and because you antagonize the pandavas there is no affection so basically the point i'm making here is if we consider krishna and when we want to offer something to krishna say this is our consciousness and then from our consciousness come our endeavors and then from our endeavors come the results so now we would like to offer the results to krishna naturally we want to offer the best to krishna but sometimes we cannot offer the results sometimes we offer the endeavors that the results are not in our control hmm? but sometimes we may not even be able to offer the endeavors what krishna wants is our consciousness so but sometimes what happens is 
we are offering the results to krishna but our consciousness is going far away from krishna that's why it's like dadami krishna says bhajatam priti purvakam there needs to be affection in the relationship so why is there this bheda because what happens is the results are going toward krishna but or rather the offering is going toward krishna but the offerer if there is a word like that <laughs> i will make that word as offering to krishna no? <laughs> so the offerer is going away from krishna hmm. now that offerer can go away from krishna because of many reasons one is they become very proud i have done so much or they can become very resentful you know i worked so hard nobody is appreciating me you know nobody is cooperating nobody is appreciating and sometimes now every devotee will have some grievances or the other because the world is dukkhale you know every <laughs> grievances are inevitable but our grievances should not overshadow the fact that we are blessed to have even a opportunity to serve krishna blessed to even remember krishna now prabhupad had many grievances with his god brothers and uh, with the gaudiya mat because they didn't really assist him in his preaching but that was not what filled prabhupad's consciousness so when we focus too much on material opulence if we get it we become proud i have done so much mm. and if we don't get it then we become very angry and resentful and that's how our consciousness goes away from krishna so this is where material opulence need not be a sign of devotion rather the pursuit of material opulence can take us away from devotion now at the same time we can look at the abhed aspect so at the end of the bhagavad gita it clearly states that tatra shreer vijayo bhutir so shri is opulence that wherever there is krishna and wherever there is arjuna yatra yogeshwara krishna yatra partho tanurdhara so where krishna and arjuna is there there will be opulence and in the bhagavatam there are at least two stories of devotees who whose devotion is seen in the opulence that they get can you think of these two characters yes dhruva yes sudama now we consider now there could be other characters also but these two are prominent and both of them are celebrated as great devotees now there is a significant difference between dhruva and sudama at one level yeah. dhruva went to the lord for material things hmm? sudama went because his family had pushed him to go he didn't really want to go hmm? uh, he just wanted to see the lord eventually when he went also he didn't even ask but he got material opulence so now in both those cases their getting material opulence is definitely seen as as a glory of devotion it's not seen outside the purview of devotion and we also have in the chaitanya charitamrita mahaprabhu telling shivas thakur that even if the goddess of fortune goes begging still there'll never be shortage in your house how oh, that's an extraordinary promise of course it's completely rhetorical the goddess of fortune will never go begging but the point is such is so the point is lord is saying that you will not have shortage 
you will have material abundance the lord is saying so it's not that one's devotion is seen in one's lack of material opulence i am such a great devotee i have nothing well not necessarily mm-hmm. prabhupad once in his um, once he was in a gbc meeting with his uh, disciples when he was there and there were some pro different devotees were proposing different projects and prabhupad quoted chanakya pandit he paraphrased it he said that if you are so clever then why is your pocket empty now what prabhupad meant by that is he was saying that don't ask me for financial support for your service if you want to do a project then you be resourceful enough you get the resources so if you are really so clever you have such clever ideas for serving krishna then why are you asking me for the resources you get the resources yourself and do the service so prabhupad expected that if you are serving krishna you krishna will reciprocate and give the resources to you you don't have to depend on resources from others and we have prabhupad also quoting to his you are looking at now prabhupad statements so prabhupad also said for example famously to his uh, indian followers or in a life member he said i went to america with 40 rupees and now i have temples worth 40 crores and he said krishna is a very good business partner <laughs> so prabhupada would say you also invest in this krishna business so prabhupada now 42 to 40 crore prabhupada would quote like this so where it seems that prabhupada is also showing the material opulence as a sign that his devotion that that is, is successful so we also see another example of in the we could say mahabharata or bhagavatam yudhishthir maharaj what does he do he performs the rajasuya yagya now at that time if you look at the mahabharat performing the rajasuya yagya was a complicated affair it was it involved conquering the whole world and that involves fighting now many kings willingly submitted some didn't and he had to fight at that time so he fought now we can say that of course his purpose was ultimately that in the rajasuya yagya he would have krishna established as the agrapurush as the foremost person in that assembly of the leading lights of the universe so it was like the who's who of the universe and there when krishna is established the idea was that even when krishna was present on the earth not everybody accepted krishna as the supreme lord yeah he's an extraordinary person um, but there are many extraordinary persons he's one of them prabhu uh, yudhishthira wanted to establish that krishna is the highest and everybody accepts him as the highest so but then what did he do for that he sought material opulence 
he sought material opulence there and thereafter he was able to establish krishna's supremacy so now there is a bhed abhed relationship i talked about the bhed aspect i talked about the i talked about abhed aspect i talked about the bhed aspect also so the key point over here which we will try to reconcile both of these now that the key point is our connection with krishna that is opulence enhancing our connection or is it weakening our connection mm. so basically if we consider krishna is here and we are here in this world now some people they seek opulence from krishna but their idea is they go to krishna for opulence if they get it thank you bye bye <laughs> it's a, they have no further interest in him now that is not very healthy but sometimes seeking opulence also might lead to the person becoming interested in krishna hmm okay who is this person is giving me so much opulence who is this person that i worshiped and i got so much and then by that i became elevated so now when we talk about a connection with krishna that is that is the top thing that is the most important thing and we want this connection with krishna to be going upwards and it depends for a person where they are at now in the bhagavatam there are two examples one is example of dhruva and the other is example is of who was no no, no not sudama who was the king described in the ninth canto and the 11th canto who also had darshan of krishna or specifically vishnu he is considered a a uh, king who is who was very attached to urvashi purorava perfect mm. last time i asked this question people said puranjan <laughs> puranjan is a allegorical figure that's different mm. so purorava now it's interesting that both of them in one sense went to krishna for material things went to the lord dhruva went specifically for a kingdom and purorava went to the lord for urvashi he was with her and then she uh, she was with him and she left him and then he worshiped the lord and he saw urvashi now the result after that when dhruva saw vishnu what happened was kacham vichinvanapi devviratnam he said what is the point i don't want this metal opulence it's like broken pieces of glass i want you you are the Uh, they you are the jewel precious jewel nendra gohiyam so now this didn't happen to purorava in one sense purorava sought urvashi the lord vishnu lord vishnu the lord appeared in front of him and he got urvashi and he went on with his life but something else happened when eventually the his indulgence came to a point of satiation then at that time he turned towards the lord 
so that darshan of the lord did not go waste the darshan of the lord had an effect but how soon the effect would come depends on how infatuated someone is now for dhruva he didn't really want a kingdom for him the kingdom was a way to make a point isn't it i want to show my father that you think i cannot sit on your throne on your lap i'll get a throne bigger than yours so dhruvar never really had you could say greed for a kingdom it is he just wanted to make a point but then when he saw the lord what is the use of all this so the desire for a kingdom it was strong but it was not deep rooted hmm? sometimes we use the word strong and deep rooted as similar it was strong in the sense that he was ready to do anything to get that but it was not that he was hankering for a kingdom itself in his desire it was strong that's why he was able to have such determination to do severe austerities but it was not deep rooted it was not that lifelong he had a great greed for a kingdom and he was craving for it let us you want to make some other point with it on the other hand with respect to pururava the desire was strong and it was deep rooted he had seen urvashi he had fallen for her and then he had got her and then he had just become almost like a puppet in her hands and then finally she had left him so it was a much much more deep rooted desire so it took time for him to come to be able to overcome that desire but he also overcame it eventually so this is where the bhagavatam has the idea yena kena prakarena manha krishna niveshayet somehow or the other fix the mind on krishna so even if somebody has material desires mm-hmm. there is no need to initially tell them give up material desires encourage them to connect with krishna if somebody has a child who is terribly sick in a hospital and they come to a temple you know i i, I want to pray to the lord can you do some kirtan i want to sponsor some prasad now oh, at that time it would be horrendously insensitive for us to say you know actually attachment to children is all temporary you know this opportunity to give up the attachment oh, it's horrible we shouldn't be speaking that and sometimes even when you use the word material there is a big difference between sattva guna rajo guna and tamo guna if somebody is concerned about their children their spouse their parents that's out of a sense of responsibility and there could be attachment but there's also sense of responsibility over there there are so many cases in the western world i don't want to demonize the western world but in a materialistic society it may be in the west or in the east when some relative just falls sick people just abandon them you know it is too much of a burden i don't want i don't care for it if a spouse is sick uh, other spouse just sick i just want to be separated i want to be out of here or his parents are abandoned to nursing homes or whatever now circumstantially sometimes uh, i don't want to judge anyone who does that directly but the point is that if somebody is praying for someone else that is not to be seen as a material attachment and condemned over there yes you know you pray to krishna and we can offer them support we can offer them guidance and then is it necessary that by their prayer to krishna their loved one will be saved 
maybe maybe not that's not necessary but they are connecting with krishna they will get some solace they will get some shelter and gra- it only happens gradually see when there is prayer initially we all pray as a tool to get god to do our will and that's okay krishna says however we come to him sukrutinah sukrutinah it's sukrutinah it's auspicious that we are coming to chaturvidha bhajante ma he talks about artho jignasur arthartian gyani artho and arthartya are clearly materially motivated and yet krishna is saying that they are sukrutinah now eventually as our understanding evolves as our relationship with krishna evolves then we start saying prayer as a means to get ourselves to accept god's will that when we pray we come to peace with god and let thy will be done my not mine we are able to surrender we are able to accept but we can't expect that to happen immediately so so if somebody is coming to god with the desire for a particular thing with a certain concern certain desire that's okay but the key is if they are connecting with devotees if they are adopting the practices of bhakti then what is going to happen is their conceptions will evolve so we shouldn't make absence of material desires or the rejection of material desires as a precondition for bhakti hmm? don't pray to krishna for anything material no the important thing is pray to krishna now over a period of time we will move towards becoming purified somebody wants wealth somebody wants say, good marks in their exams uh, somebody wants to find a good partner now if they are coming for that to krishna well maybe that's not the best reason to come but at least they are coming to krishna and that is good now having said so this so we're talking about three stages now how this will work that initially why we approach then if somebody is approaching for material things okay let them come it's only a gradual process see first somebody does service then they do some devotional service and then they do pure devotional service so it's a step by step process if right it in the beginning itself instead of letting them climb the steps one by one we tell them you just have to take a high jump over here what is going to happen is instead of a high jump they'll be have a big fall <laughs> we try to get them to pure devotion and they have purely no devotion at all then <laughs> not even mixed devotion a thing will be left so let everyone come at their level and move forward gradually so uh, now for us as sadhakas how does this work for us so is if some devotee practices bhakti and they get a lot of material opulence is that the proof that they are practicing bhakti nicely if some devotee is practicing bhakti and they seem to be losing material opulence is that again the sign of their bhakti you know krishna is please krishna is giving special mercy that krishna is taking everything away from you yasya ham anugrahami 
that's a verse which people are scared of mm. Mm. now the point is that in general even in a devotee's life when something is happening it is ultimately within krishna's plan but that does not mean everything is to be attributed directly to krishna mm-hmm. i'll explain what i mean by this that see any event that happens say any event that happens that could be placed in many causal boxes so for example if i come for this class and i'm feeling cold now i could say oh krishna wants me to do austerity of tolerating the cold while i'm preaching okay it could be as simple as i forgot to wear some warm clothes <laughs> isn't it <laughs> so every single issue does not have to be escalated to krishna is doing something no we have free will we are also doing some things the devotee that one time they in london they decided to uh, do a giant rathyatra uh, at that time many of the devotees prabhupada said they were very dedicated but they were all young and they were ambitious they had a lot of rajoguna so when they went to london they decided to do a giant rathyatra and they made the ratha cart uh, especially the ratha upper superstructure of the body the tower way bigger than what it was in san francisco where the first rathyatra had been done but then what happened they made the upper body very tall they did not make the wheels big enough proportionately and the rath cart went for a little distance and it just collapsed it was a pr disaster you know all these photographers were there fortunately the devotee spun this falling is a part of our tradition <laughs> people knew nothing about it <laughs> so the devotee spun it that way but then they wrote to prabhupad so gurudas prabhu wrote to prabhupad prabhupad did this rathakart collapse because of our poor devotion and prabhupad said it collapsed because of your poor engineering <laughs> <laughs> so <laughs> so if there is a reasonable material explanation for things then one doesn't have to jump to the krishna explanation everything see when we we are meant to see krishna everywhere that means we have to see the opportunity to serve krishna everywhere that doesn't necessarily mean everything is being caused by krishna that there it's two two very different things you know when we say see krishna everywhere so what does it mean essentially see our relationship with krishna is a relationship of service so that means see the opportunity to serve krishna everywhere so prabhupad was in san francisco and we had a two story building prabhupada was doing japa in the balcony and he was walking around and then he saw a flat bed truck over there and flat bed truck is normal truck has sides which are up the, the sides were removed lowered so that if the cargo is not slippery the cargo can be easily put you don't have to put it above so prabhupada saw a flat bed truck going and prabhupada thought this could become a cart for jagannath tatyatra now who else in the universe would have seen a flatbed truck and thought of it as a potential jagannath cart oh, that was prabhupada's krishna consciousness 
so that means to see the opportunity to serve krishna everywhere but that does not necessarily mean that to see krishna as the sole cause of everything that happens Mm. to see krishna as the sole cause of everything that happens see krishna is the ultimate cause of everything krishna is not necessarily the immediate cause of everything mm -hmm. so the, the vedanta sutra gives the standard example that the rains are the cause of all growth on the earth but what grows where is not caused by the rains that depends on the kind of seeds that are there so so prabhupad was saying that the, your engineering design was poor so don't see krishna as the, don't think that krishna is this please and why that's why this rat cart fell there's some material cause over there and you overlook that material cause so it's we can't if we start jumping to krishna as the cause of everything that can justify our irresponsibility that can justify our own insensitivity at times hmm so as one devotee who came to me you know he had a lot of problems in his family he and his wife were not getting along together and you know they uh, i known both of them for many years so i talked with both of them and he was having he was saying you know maybe he was just being negligent of his family responsibilities and there can be something like too much bhakti Now you can say that there's not too much bhakti, but too much of one form of bhakti can be possible. You know, sometimes now we if we can do even our uh, family responsibilities, our job, everything as in the mood of devotion. So in that sense, there cannot be too much devotion. But if somebody is neglecting other responsibilities and just in the name of bhakti, then they have valid concerns. So his wife was upset that he was not uh, taking care of family responsibilities, and he was he was telling me. I think Krishna has given me a wife like this so that I become detached from family life. <laughs> so I told him Maya has given this thought to you, not Krishna. <laughs> If you are not doing your responsibility, that's why your family life is disharmonious. Then you don't bring Krishna over there, isn't it? See that Krishna is actually there is some immediate cause for this. and address that immediate cause now prabhupad prabhupad didn't think when he was preaching in india and 40 years he was preaching there were no results prabhupad didn't think maybe krishna doesn't want me to preach no prabhupad looked at the immediate material cause what was that indians were infatuated with the west and that's why indians were not interested in indian wisdom so prabhupad decided to address that material cause by going to the west and he said if western people can become devotees now infatuation with the west it's also a form of maya only but prabhupad used one form of maya to counter maya isn't it the infatuation with the west with the white skin with west western western people prabhupad used that to bring people closer to krishna so the idea is that in our practice of bhakti we shouldn't see the lack of material opulence or the disruption of material situations as a sign of our devotion oh everything is going wrong in my life that 
means you know krishna is being special mercy on me no it could be you are being specially stupid isn't it <laughs> sorry to speak so harshly <laughs> but if somebody is neglecting everything you know somebody lifts huge boxes of book distribution other say no i'll help you no i'll lift it myself and then they get severe back pain now, this is krishna's mercy well it's not krishna's mercy it's your it's your responsibility so krishna has given us a body and we are meant to use it responsibly so we shouldn't think the lack of material opulence or the negligence of material affair affairs disruption of material affairs proves our devotion now at the same time let's go to the other side so it's krishna's mercy primarily is as i said it's our connection with krishna should be increasing our attraction to krishna should be increasing our absorption in krishna should be increasing it is not that if our frustration with material life is increasing that means it's krishna's mercy no we may be frustrated with material life that's why we turn towards krishna today but material life is full of ups and downs ups and downs tomorrow the frustration goes down then our devotion will also go down at that time isn't it so bhakti has to be done as is bhajatam priti purvakam it is not frustration purvakam <laughs> it is not just out of i am frustrated with material life that's why i am practicing bhakti so in our practice of bhakti we if material opulence comes we accept it if material opulence goes away we accept that also now we use our intelligence to see okay if there is some material disruption in my life what is the cause of it just because we have become devotees doesn't mean all devotees have material are going to have materially the same karmic record hmm? every devotee has their own past karma that is not that the karmic record is erased by erased by krishna krishna uses our past karma to draw us closer to him so some devotees by their past karma might have the karmic uh, balance so that they get some opulence and if they get their opulence they can use it in krishna's service so those devotees who who say are specially talented now some some people are just more talented than others they can whether in their jobs in their work affairs they can just get things done fast so they don't have to work 18 hours a day to earn a lot of money they can work 7 8 hours 10 hours whatever 6 hours and still they are earning a good amount of money if they are doing that then that opulence is it krishna's mercy well you can see it as krishna's mercy in the sense that it is an opportunity to serve krishna i have more wealth then i have more stability i can do more service to krishna but is that the coming of wealth itself some krishna special intervention maybe maybe not on the other hand now some devotees say may have very good singing ability some devotees may have got very good managerial ability and then they come to krishna and they use that in krishna's service and when they are singing maybe hundreds of people come join their kirtans and they are managing they can manage big events and they do it very well now is that uh, the, is that particular opulence is that particular ability the mercy of krishna well it's a mercy in the sense that they have got the opportunity to use it in krishna's service where has that ability come from well it could have been because of their past karma 
Now, sometimes some devotees had no ability before. Like some devotees might have been very timid before they came to bhakti. They are afraid to speak in public. Oh, that. Yes, yes, public speaking is, for some people, it's like among the top ten fears of life. <laughs> but then, they come to Krishna and they start speaking in public. And they start speaking confidently, even effortlessly. At least it seems effortless. Everybody has to make efforts. But, if they, now is that Krishna's mercy? Well, it can be. They didn't have the ability before and now they seem to have that ability. So you can say it's Krishna's mercy. But, again the question is, are they using it in Krishna's service? Is it taking them closer to Krishna or is it taking them away from Krishna? If they remember that it is Krishna's mercy and they use it in Krishna's service, that will take them closer to Krishna. So, as devotees, we don't tout our ability as the proof of our devotion. Mm -hmm. See, the, actually, there is ability and there is humility. Now, can ability be a sign of devotion? Yes, it can be. But a greater sign is humility. If somebody has ability, somebody has ability to distribute a lot of books, somebody has ability to raise a lot of funds, somebody has a ability to inspire a lot of people to chant Hare Krishna. Those abilities are very good. And we can say those abilities are spiritual in the sense that they are being used in Krishna's service. But if that ability is making them proud, then that ability may be taking others to Krishna, but it will be taking them away from Krishna. Hmm? So, it has to be very important that we see that ability is a gift, but humility is a greater gift. And if, some, if somebody has ability and they have humility, then we can say they are really blessed by Krishna. They have got special mercy. So, now, some devotees, they may have extraordinary ability, some devotees may not have extraordinary ability. From Krishna's perspective, what Krishna, I'll conclude with this point, with respect to opulence, like I said, for Krishna, our availability is more important than our ability. Why? Because Krishna wants our heart. It is Krishna who is giving abilities to everyone. If Krishna wants to do something, Krishna can give a person some extraordinary ability and they can attract everyone. It's possible. But what Krishna wants is our availability. Our availability means that indicates our consciousness, our heart. Am I there for serving Krishna? Now of course our availability will also be limited by our circumstances to some extent. But within the limitations of our circumstances, are we available for Krishna? So our ability is to some extent a part of the material world in the sense that by our past karma, we might get some ability. By our, uh, by our past karma, we might get wealth or this talent or that talent or whatever. And we can use it in Krishna's service. And that's wonderful if we use it. But ultimately, what Krishna is going to see is our availability. That at the end of our life, Krishna doesn't say that at the end of your life, whether you have built a temple for me is going to determine whether you come to me or not. He says, whether you remember me or not. Sometimes when we do a service, we are not happy that the service is offered to Krishna. 
we are anxious that everyone knows I did this service. <laughs> now, that is at one level just a human thing. You know, if we have done some service, it may not be due to ego. It may be due to this, we want, uh, we, are, we want human connections, we want, if we have done a particular service, if we have done something good, we would like some encouragement. If we have done something uh, not so good, we would like some feedback so that we can improve. So wanting others to know that we are done a particular service itself is not a bad thing. But if that is consuming our consciousness so much that we are no longer remembering Krishna. Like somebody does beautiful dressing and then everybody is taking the darshan of the Lord and that person takes a loudspeaker, hey I did dressing today, remember that. <laughs> well, <laughs> no. <laughs> yeah, it's, you did dressing, that's a wonderful service. But the point is, you remember Krishna and you help others remember Krishna. Now, if there are some others, other devotees who are regular, uh, doing regular dressing service, we may tell them, you know, today I did the dressing and uh, can you tell me some, can you give me some feedback for my service? And they say, this was good, this was not good. That's fair enough. That's not wrong. But if wanting others to know that we did the service is what fills our mind, then that that material attention, that material adulation is taking us away from Krishna. On the other hand, if we do a service so wonderfully that everybody, people take darshan and say, who did the dressing today? They want to know about it. That's a different thing. Now, then if they say, okay, then you say, I did the service, but it's by Krishna's mercy. Its devotees have guided me, they have trained me. Then that also, we are directing that attention towards Krishna. So if we get material opulence, we use it in Krishna's service. If we don't get material opulence, we still continue serving Krishna. We see in the Bhagavatam itself, Prahlad was not only protected by the Lord from all the dangers of his father threatening him, but he got the kingdom. And the same Bhagavatam, there are two contrasting examples. Prahlad was given abundant material benedictions and Parikshit he had material benedictions, it was taken away from him. Now he surrendered to the Lord but he didn't get the material benediction back. It is not that he heard seven day Bhagavatam, okay your curse is cancelled, now you get the kingdom back. It didn't happen for him that way. The Bhagavatam gives us both trajectories. Prahlad is a glorious devotee, Parikshit is also a glorious devotee. So how things will unfold for a devotee in the material level is between that devotee and Krishna. And the presence of some materially improved situation is not necessarily the proof of devotion. That didn't happen for Parishit Maharaj. And the absence of a materially improved situation is not the sign of absence of devotion. That Parishit Maharaj's curse was not countered, that didn't mean that he's not a great devotee. His devotion was in how he remembered the Lord by hearing the Bhagavatam. Prahlad Maharaj's devotion was in how he remembered the Lord. Even when there was danger, even when there was tribulation. And similarly, how he remembered the Lord when there was prosperity. Even when he got a kingdom back, he did not forget the Lord. And that's the proof of devotion that our, whether we get material opulence, we don't get material opulence. Our connection with Krishna stays strong. And we may seek some material opulence so that we can serve Krishna better. But that desire for the material opulence doesn't dominate our mind. So much that 
the desire for Krishna disappears. I, I was talking, I'll conclude with this point, that I was talking to one devotee. He's very well-to-do. He said that, you know, I, I, he was in India several years ago. He says, I want to become a millionaire. And after that, he said, I will give not 50%, I'll give 60% of my earnings to Krishna. I said, that's wonderful aspiration. But the key point is, giving is a habit. It's not just an activity. We want to develop an ongoing connection with Krishna. It's that the offering to Krishna is meant to become a part of our disposition. It's not meant to be just a one-time event. He says, right now, give something to Krishna. I can't give anything now. When I get to that margin, I'll give that much. Okay, that's fine, you give that much. Now, you can give one person. You can give half a person, you can give five percent. So, charity is not the key point over here. The point is that our desire for material opulence should not become the condition for our devotion. It shouldn't become so strong. Can devotees have material desires? Well, we can't, uh, we can't, there's no delete button for material desires. If they are there, they are there. We can't just uh, wish them away. But even if the desires are there, as devotees, we try to make sure that the desire for material things is not greater than the desire for Krishna. Or it doesn't become so great, it, it leaves no space for the desire for Krishna. We keep the desire for Krishna and we try to strengthen the desire for Krishna. And then whatever desire we have for material things, that will be there for some time and in due course it will go away. Now how to deal with material desire specifically, if they are present, that I'll talk in tomorrow's session. I'll be taking the Bhagavatam class again. But essentially, the, if we are serious devotees, that means our desire for Krishna is greater than our desire for material things, even if they are for Krishna's service. That my Krishna's service should not be dependent on the fulfillment of my material desires. So if we have this, then we all can be steadily practicing our bhakti and moving forward in our journey towards Krishna. So I'll summarize what I discussed today. So we broadly were discussing the relationship between material opulence and, and bhakti. Here Prahlad is saying that that devotee who is devoted to you, will, who gives up material desires, will get bhagvatvaya kalpate. Material opulence like the Lord. So we started by discussing first the bhed aspect. That mm, there is a difference between material opulence and Krishna. And in that connection we discussed Karmakanda. Mm, and then we also discussed the prosperity gospel. Where basically that is the sole motive for going towards God, then that becomes a justification for any means being used and then that becomes the primary proof of one's devotion, other things not being cared for. So such material opulence is not actually the gift of Krishna, it is not the mercy of Krishna, it is actually allurement of Maya that will take us away from Krishna. So, on the other hand, we also discuss the abhed aspect. That material opulence is actually seen to be connected with Krishna. So, in the abhed aspect, we discuss many examples. 
the Bhagavatam we discuss examples Sudama and Dhruva mm. how they got material opulence Prabhupada's quotes also we discuss how Prabhupada said 40 rupees to 40 crores and the idea is that in this world service can be done using resources resources could be abilities could be wealth could be whatever and a devotee who has more resources can do more service and therefore if a devotee has a lot of resources then we see that as those resources are being used in Krishna's service so resources increase service can also increase in that sense a devotee's opulence is if it's used for Krishna's service it is spiritual it is not different from their devotion hmm? but then we discuss the balances that for us when we are practicing bhakti mm. it is going to be an incremental process so we can't expect a person to be free from material desires you start with service they come and do some worship do some puja then they will start moving more devotional service and then they will move to pure devotional service so the point is that we don't make absence of material desires as the precondition for devotion so, if somebody has material desires, yena kena prakarena, mana krishna niveshayad. It is not a precondition for devotion. Any way somebody can start the practice of bhakti. But when they are practicing bhakti, what is important is that the connection with Krishna is what is increasing. So, connection should be strengthening. And for that, they need to be Krishna conscious. Now, Krishna conscious means to see service opportunity everywhere. So, naturally, if somebody has a better, has more wealth, they can do more service to Krishna. Somebody has better speaking ability, they can do more service to Krishna. Somebody has more charisma, more crowd pulling ability, they can do more service to Krishna. So, in that sense, we can see material opulence as something which is favorable to the service of Krishna but this is good but see Krishna as the sole cause of everything everything material that means that then that is a problem where we see that oh things went wrong in my life that means Krishna is angry with me well or Krishna is you know my material life is disrupted that means Krishna wants me to become detached not necessarily we, when things are happening, we look for immediate material causes. And we see, okay, in this situation, how can I fix this cause in a mood of service to Krishna? If the Rathakart has collapsed, that's not because Krishna is displeased with us. That's because we didn't do the engineering properly. So, in this way, a devotee addresses the material causes appropriately. And from that material cause perspective, some devotees have extraordinary talents, they have extraordinary resources, Maybe they were already born in a wealthy family. Maybe they have some talents by which they can easily earn wealth. If they do that, then they use that wealth in Krishna's service. But they don't see that wealth necessarily as coming from Krishna. It could be coming from their past karma, but they can use it in Krishna's service. On the other hand, if somebody doesn't have wealth, that's okay. They don't have ability. For Krishna, ultimate, we talked about three things. If ability is there, more important than ability is humility. And if there's no ability, then even then, what is important is availability. So, if we have ability, we don't see that as a matter of pride. 
we see it as okay i need to stay humble and that humility will take us toward krishna if we don't have ability we don't have to see that as oh krishna is displeased with me no we see that as and krishna is giving me an opportunity to still serve krishna by my availability and in that way independent of our material situation we can keep moving closer to krishna thank you very much hare krishna hmm. do we have time for questions one or two questions anyone has yes please yes mata ji Hi Krishna thank you for the class prabhu i just had a question that uh, you spoke about the resentment while serving krishna so sometimes if we feel that way then what should we do because um like sometimes you can be in that mood but you don't realize it in the moment but when you self reflect after some time you go like uh, you can realize that you are not in the proper consciousness or the proper mood okay so if we find ourselves being resentful or having some resentment while doing service there are two different things over here one is an occasional circumstantial annoyance or irritation that's understandable it may not be the best thing but still so if you have negative emotion in bhakti say suppose somebody we have some important service to do and we expected somebody to do something and they don't do that thing and then we get annoyed we get upset we may speak some strong words to them also or we may not speak but we might ourselves feel irritated that's actually not a bad thing prabhupad also said that your anxiety for serving krishna will take you to krishna now normally anxiety is not considered a positive emotion isn't it anxiety is not a pleasant emotion to have but our anxiety shows our seriousness to krishna so negative emotion if it is circumstantial we are doing some big service and say we are having janmashtami festival and prasad is not ready on time and we have to get it ready then that is that is okay that's just a part of that just a part of being in the material world there will be ups and downs and you deal with it but if it is constant hmm, you know every time we have to do a service then we start feeling irritated we start feeling burdened then it's a problem then we have to do one or two uh, a few things either we have to say decrease our service so that we don't feel so burdened or we need to distribute that service so that we have some at least some people who are reliable and we don't feel again so burdened or we at least need somebody whom we can talk with we can say as you say blow some steam you know that we want to blow the steam before it leads to a fire and an explosion so sometimes we all need to unwind and we are upset by something we talk with someone they calm us down it helps so we have to look a constant negative emotion is not a good thing as i said everybody will have some grievances but the grievances shouldn't be dominating our consciousness so if that is happening then we have to make some not just inner change in terms of our consciousness we may need some external change also the change the service or change some association so that we can have better support okay thank you very much prabhu any other question yes prabhu please um, very pertinent points Mm. Krishna life and everything you know uh you know the immediate cause is not Krishna is saying that be detached <laughs> but yeah. we are neglecting our duty 
Uh, I think another key point that struck me was also that uh, incident of Radhyatra incident that you mentioned and Prabhupada's response to it. Mm. And you said they were very much in Rajogun. So, so the question is, uh, is vast majority of what we discussed today is based on we are not in Sattva Gun or Shruta Sattva, we are all majority dominated by passion and ignorance and, and that is what is causing this confusion. Because it's very quickly to, as practicing devotees, say, oh, I think the example also, we can also quote from Prabhupada, we can also misquote it. Like, uh, like Prabhupada himself says, you know, Krishna showed special mercy to me, he, he took away everything from me. I mean, even the material thing, because his, his uh, astrological chart said he will be as rich as Tata and Billa. Yeah, true. So we can use that incident and say, yeah, this is happening to me, so henceforth uh, we justify. So could you, could you sort of uh, demystify okay. that? Uh, okay. So two different parts of this question. First is that, is this when there is a misunderstanding of the relationship between material life and bhakti or material aspects of life and bhakti? And is it because we are in Rajoguna or Tamaguna? Well, yes, definitely, that's a part of it. But at the same time, we can't have any one magic switch that we press and suddenly come to Sattva Guna. Now, there were devotees in Rajoguna and Prabhupada engaged them in service. Prabhupada encouraged competition for book distribution. And that was something about Rajoguna only largely. You know, not everybody who was doing that book distribution, book distribution the competitive zeal, they were in some pure spiritual consciousness. So, being in Rajoguna itself is not the problem. Hmm? Being in Rajoguna and denying that we are in Rajoguna, that is the problem. So, if I acknowledge, yeah, maybe you know, we still have, we live in a Rajasic world and to function in that world, to some extent we need Rajoguna. And it's not that suddenly we can switch off the Rajoguna when we come to the Bhakti and start serving. We are still the same person, we still have the same mind. So, if we acknowledge that I am in Rajoguna and then we have periodic pauses where we try to bring ourselves in Sattva Guna. So, where we uh, take guidance from somebody who is in Sattva Guna. Then, say for example, our sadhana, to some extent it forces us to rise to a slightly higher consciousness. Now, we can do a sadhana in Rajaguna also, but to some extent, it does try to bring us towards Sattva Guna at least, if not above. And if we have, uh, if we have at least some devotee friends with whom we are spending time just discussing Krishna Katha, it's not calculated, you know, okay. It's, we, have, we have to have managerial interactions with others. No doubt. That's where our services are required. But if we have some time where we're just trying to connect at a spiritual level, then that will also elevate our consciousness. And then, that once we are in Sattva then we can notice where the Rajoguna is taking us away from Krishna. Rajoguna itself is not a problem. All the three modes also come from Krishna. And all the three modes can also be used in Krishna Go service. See, Tamoguna is also not a problem. It's uh, Tamoguna at the wrong time is the problem. <laughs> Isn't it? <laughs> so, every time we sleep, you may say a devotee's sleep is also transcendental. Okay. But at a, at a biological level, at a, at a material level, it's the influence of Tamoguna. And that's not a bad thing. But the problem is that we don't get Tamoguna at night, we get Tamoguna in the morning. <laughs> So, none of the modes themselves are the problem. The modes coming at the inappropriate time, in the inappropriate way, that's the problem. So, while doing services, we can be in Rajoguna. I remember, 
Once I was uh, I was going, I was catching a I was catching a train, and there's one devotee was supposed to give something to me, and I was supposed to carry that to Mumbai from Pune, and the train was about to leave, and he came to the station. I was anxiously peering out of the door. I said, "Come on, Prabhu, Prabhu, come here." He was just coming very gently. He says, "Prabhu, the train is leaving." He says, "I want to come in Satvaguna, not Rajaguna." <laughs> <laughs> no, more important than Satvaguna, Rajoguna, Tabaguna is the service, isn't it? <laughs> so if the service requires us to run and get something, then run over there. So sometimes we can become too guna conscious. You know, our guna consciousness, mood's consciousness should be an aid in our Krishna consciousness. It shouldn't impede our Krishna consciousness. So Rajoguna itself is not a problem, but if there is no pause to come to Satvaguna, or there is no connection with somebody in Satvaguna who can regulate us, then Rajaguna will take us, will take us over and may take us away from Krishna. And as far as justifying our, our uh, say material problems as Krishna's mercy, well that is a tendency of the intelligence which is especially in the sarvartha, in the mode of ignorance Krishna says, sarvarthan viparitamishya. Adharmam dharmamitiya manyate tamasavrata sarvarthan viparitamishya buddhisapartha tamasi. In 1832, Krishna says that that which is right, the intelligence concludes, justifies it is wrong. And that which is wrong, it justifies it to be right. This such an intelligence is in the mode of ignorance. So, we have to be careful about that. Now, we have an innate sense of right and wrong, some conscience we all have. And then if we are giving a particular explanation to things, we also have to consult with other devotees. Is this the is this the right way of looking at things? And uh, if other devotees say no, you know maybe there's something wrong over here, then at least we should be open to invest, uh, open to reinvestigating our understanding, re-examining our understanding. So, the in the biblical tradition they're saying that even the devil can quote the Bible. <laughs> but the point is, the devil quotes the Bible to defeat the purpose of the Bible. So, similarly, yes, we want to quote Shastra, but we also want to fulfill the purpose of Shastra. That's why, while quoting Shastra, we also can connect with other devotees whom we trust. As, not just trust that they will agree with me. <laughs> trust that they will give us a candid opinion, that they are, they are our well-wishers. So that they will, they will speak the truth to us. Then. Uh, we can get a a more harmonious understanding. Okay. So thank you very much. Granthraj Srimad Bhagavatam ki, Shula Prabhupada ki, Gaur Bhakta Vrinda ki, Nithai Gaur Premanandi. Prabhupada ki.